communications disruption can mean only one thing. What's up, guys? It is your boy, Rick Villanueva. And uh, you heard by the short, short intro there, we're going to do something very new for this show. You are listening to Jam Transmissions, as always. But this is going to be the first in a new, eh, call it series, if you will, uh, that I'm going to be calling Jammed Transcriptions. I know it was a mouthful before to say Jam Transmissions, and I'm going to throw you a curveball. And this is Jammed Transcriptions. And what this is, is going to be when I review books. Okay, uh, whether it's by myself or if I have a guest or not, we will see. Um, in the book space, uh, I did interview Marco Shiro a few weeks ago at C2E2 in Chicago, and it was a great time. Um, along with that, I got the word the week prior to that, actually on the day of my birthday a few weeks ago, that I was approved to start receiving review books from Disney Lucasfilm Press. So uh, which for me is great. I, you guys know me. I love the books. When Pete and I were, were doing the show together, we did some book reviews back then, um, but we never were on any of the, the reviewer lists. But that has all changed. So as of right now, um, like a lot of uh, other wonderful people, um, I am now a book reviewer. So today, which um, I'm sure if you looked at the title of the episode, you know what we're going to be reviewing, but I want to talk uh, quickly about just kind of my journey with books in and of itself with Star Wars. So like a lot of people, um, you know, I'm an original trilogy kid and I never got into like the West End Games books or things like that. But when Heir to the Empire came out, um, I knew that there was something special happening in print. Um, as a kid, I wasn't the biggest reader, but I did spend a lot of time by myself. So, um, you know, I had my friends and we went out and skateboarded and we did all that stuff that you did in the late 80s. But uh, books were a way for me to escape kind of the real uh, you know, emotional issues I might have had as a younger kid dealing with a lot of anger and things like that. You've heard me talk a lot about that before. I don't want to talk about that right now because it's not what we're going to do. But when Heir to the Empire came out, uh, I believe I had a borrowed copy or a library copy. I don't remember which one it was that I read initially. And I was hooked. Thrawn immediately became somebody that I was enamored with. And when the two subsequent books came out, you know, I read those uh, shortly after release. Uh, with a lot of Legends books, um, it, a lot of those came out at a time in my life when I wasn't really focused on a lot of reading. Um, so a lot of things passed me by. I can admit to that. You know, there, there's a lot of Legends things that I've had to catch up on over the last few years. Um, and I'm grateful that, you know, those books still exist. So in the modern era, when the canon reset happened or when it was announced, for me, it didn't feel like a bad thing. Um, you know, I talked about this um, on some earlier episodes. I believe, you know, King Tom and I talked about this, but the canon reset works because of what happened in a lot of Legends books. There were a lot of things that were going to have to be either changed that people wouldn't be happy with or completely omitted that people wouldn't be happy with. So I think for my part, the decision for Lucasfilm to kind of start over was probably the best way to go because there were some things that would have to be explained in future movies that logistically might not have worked. So moving into where we are now, books are extremely important to me. 
um, especially Star Wars books. I do, I try to do a lot of reading, but you know, obviously Star Wars books have been kind of priority um, over the last couple of years. And when the reset happened and when the comics relaunched, I made a commitment then to basically say, I'm going to have or read uh, just about everything that comes out in the new canon space. And um, up until January, I've owned every physical copy of a comic book, uh, not including some variants. Um, I've since switched to digital only because I'm running out of space. And books have become my focus for collecting. Um, not only do I enjoy reading the books, but I do enjoy looking at the books. And when there are you know different versions that come out or exclusive things like that, I try to get my hands on them. Um, a few that I kind of wish I had were the out-of-print versions of the Thrawn books that came out over the last few years with the slipcases and those. They are extremely expensive right now, and I don't think I'll ever get my hands on any of those books, which is fine, um, because some of the new Cane of Thrawn books are some of my favorite stuff. So that's a brief introduction for me as far as the books go. Um, specifically, what we're going to be talking about today is Phase 2 of the High Republic. Um, more specifically than that is Tessa Grattan's first solo book in the High Republic space, uh, Quest for Planet X, uh, which came out uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, as of this recording. And this was one of the books that I got uh, as for review. Um, I, got, I received this in Path of Vengeance by Kevin Scott, uh, which I started yesterday. And um, yeah, can't say nothing about that yet until April 24th, because there was an embargo on it. So let's talk about the High Republic briefly and what this is for people who may not know. Um, the High Republic is an era of Star Wars storytelling that takes place um, a few hundred years before the events of the original trilogy. So phase one took place uh, about 200 years before, we'll say, A New Hope. And phase two goes even farther back than that. Now, the the initial wave of uh, books, uh, we'll, say, we'll say phase one, uh, by Kevin Scott and Charles Soule, um, I know I'm excluding authors here, guys, but the wave, the phase one was fantastic. The way that those books were crafted and put together, Light of the Jedi was an amazing kickoff to uh, the entire era. Um, and I think that's one of the books that Pete and I reviewed together uh, before Pete decided to leave the show. And I remember reading that book either two or three times before we did the review because it was so dense and so heavy with characters and new locations, um, all new faces of Jedi, and the way the Jedi interact with the Force was very um, new and fresh, and it was a good kickoff to this entire era. But when Phase 1 ended, uh, the kind of tease at the end of Daniel Jose Holder's Midnight Horizon was that we were going to be going back. And I think that was something that we knew ahead of time, um, that we were going to go back um, even farther back in the past. Now, along with all of that, you do have the comic books uh, that Marvel has put out. You have the now Dark Horse books that are com comics that are coming out. And I believe there was an IDW line too that um, the Herbalpic Adventures. Um, so there is a lot of material, but since we're only three years into this initiative, it's not too late to kind of catch up. You know, there are different levels of reading for the High Republic. There's the adult novels, there are young adult novels, and there are middle grade readers. 
And all of the books have their own value, um, if you want to put it that way. There are things that happen in each of the reading levels that bears its own significance when it comes to the overall story of each phase. Um, new characters get introduced in the younger reader books, and obviously the stories are meant to be uh, kind of catered to that younger audience, but the stories are just as entertaining. And if you are a completionist, kind of like how I am with wanting to know what happened, there's a lot of value in reading both the young adult and the middle grade um, books that have come out. So phase two goes back farther in time than phase one. Like I said, it's a, it's an additional 150 years. So we're about 350 years prior to a new hope. And I know for some people, the numbers can get a little confusing um, and there's a lot of similarities by the way things look and feel for Star Wars. There are some things that are very intrinsic in Star Wars, be it lightsabers, the force, um, hope versus fear, things like that that are very um, seminal to what Star Wars is, found family dynamics, things like that. And phase two is no exception. So we've had, um, at this point, two adult novels that have come out uh, in phase two, Convergence by Zoretta Cordova and Cataclysm by Lydia, Dr. Lydia Kang. Um, those are the two adult novels that have come out. And uh, you can read both of those and feel that you're plenty caught up with what's happening in phase two. Um, we have had one um, young adult novel, Path of Deceit, by, I think mean, it was Justine Ireland and Tessa Gratton, if I'm not mistaken. And there was uh, the first middle grade reader, which was Quest for the Hidden City by George Mann. Um, and then there's the second young adult novel that's coming out that I mentioned, Path of Vengeance by Kevin Scott, which is a doozy. It's 520 pages, roughly. Um, it's a big, it's, it's a big boy. Um, so the follow-up to George Mann's Quest for the Hidden City is Tessa Gratton's Quest for Planet X. You can see by the naming conventions of these books that there is some connectivity between the reading levels. So today specifically, I know it's taken 10 minutes to get here, but we're going to talk about Quest for Planet X by Tessa Gratton. Um, and I'll try to keep this as spoiler-free as I can, even though there will be some spoilery nuggets in it. So um, initially, I just want to say that I love this book. I absolutely adored this book and the messaging of this book. I think books like this hold so much value um, to their target audience. And they also serve as a good reminder for those of us who are maybe outside of that target audience window um, about what is um, essentially the most important things that we can find value in, in and around our own personal lives. And I think a book like this highlights that in the best of ways. So it centers on our three main characters. We have Jedi Padawan, Rupert Natani. We have uh, Das Lefbrook who is first introduced in uh, Quest for the Hidden City. He and his father are prospectors. Uh, his father's name is Chase, I believe. Um, I could be mistaken on his father's first name. And we meet Sky Graff in this book. And Sky, the Graff family was introduced in phase one, much later on. The Graff family and the Santeca family are kind of rivaling each other in the prospecting space. Uh, and mapping hyperlanes, uh, hyperspace lanes for communication and for safe travel. And through their efforts, they become very wealthy. So this is 
the earliest part in the canon timeline for us so far, um, as far as books go with phase two. But these three come together because there is something called the hyperspace chase that uh, is being sponsored by the Santeca and Graf families to find Planet X. It's all there in the title. Um, and the you come to find out that Sky Graf and his uh, and their brother uh, are both prospectors, uh, essentially, that they're trying to map out this stuff. They're trying to make money. That's what their, their families do. And Daff, uh, Das gets um, kind of recruited. He's mad at his dad. And this is kind of like a little minor act of rebellion for him to say the like, I can be a prospector. I can do this on my own. And if you've read Quest for a Hidden City, um, you know that the troubles that they had got into in that book and kind of the rift that kind of started to form between them a little bit. Um, some trust issues maybe as Das is growing up and trying to assert himself. Uh, this is his way of doing that. You know, he basically rebels and kind of just says, yeah, I'm going to come with you and prove to my dad that I can do this. And then there is Jedi Padawan Rupert Natani, who is the Padawan of Salandra Show, I believe, who we meet uh, earlier in phase two. Salandra Show is a Jedi with both a lightsaber and a shield. Uh, which is important to note for her character because she sees the shield. She sees the lightsaber as a weapon of defense, um, but it's still a weapon. And the shield is more a symbol of pure defense. Um, there are things that can be done with the shield very um, effectively as, as kind of a weapon, but it is very emblematic of Solandra's view on the Jedi's uh, stance within the force that they are there to protect. So the hyperspace chase kicks off and these three um, work as kind of like this quasi bumbling crew. They're not really, they're all competent in their own ways, but you can see that they're each of their levels of inexperience comes into play uh, at, at different facets of the book. You know, Rupert, uh, Rupert Natani is a Padawan and she's finding her way in the forest. She sees the force as color, which is really cool. Um, so when she's very attuned to the force or she's trying to listen to things through the force or whatever, she sees color. She sees life as color, which I think is fantastic. Um, and Sky, Sky has this attitude that is very almost arrogant, not quite very sure of themselves. Um, but Sky is almost has a chip on their shoulder about how their role within the Graf family is being viewed. You know, Sky kind of lives under the shadow of their brother, who we meet in this book as well. So there's this big race. Everybody's off to find this planet X and what that will do for hyperspace mapping and for communications buoys and stuff like that. Now for phase two, communication in and of itself is almost its own character. Um, because of the events of Cataclysm and uh, what's happening right now that I'm reading in Path of Vengeance, which again, I can't really get into. We know that the Path of the Open Hand, who are kind of our primary antagonist for this phase, have taken control of communications buoys across the known galaxy and in the outer rim, uh, mainly in the outer rim. And 
they're doing that to great effect and they're trying to limit what the Jedi can do because the path of the open hand, their mantra is that the force will be free and they view anybody who uses the force, uh, even for good, they're still quote, using the force and that using the force that way upsets the balance, uh, the harmony of nature, um, in the, like the natural world of the force. So they're trying to, uh, establish their own foothold and, assure that the force will be free, but obviously there are some other nefarious things that are happening along the way. We come to find that, uh, this group of three, this trio, they bump into a group of path members who are sabotaging a buoy and they essentially arrest one of them, um, who is a Kasurian, I believe, whose name is escaping me. I'm sure it'll pop up somewhere in my memory. But they, oh, Felix, F-E-L space I-X. And Felix is a path member who is very, um, I don't want to say a hard line about the ideology of the path of the open hand, but they butt heads, uh, fell butts heads a lot with Rupert and how the force uh, matters to each of them. So. Obviously, they are off to find this planet X. And there is a device that Sky has that he's going to try to utilize to get there that basically works as a, I'm using air quotes here, like a beacon of somebody's life essence. Uh, so the reason why Das is with them as well is because he's been to this planet X. He knows what's there. He has been there Um in the past. And it's something I believe that is mentioned in quest for the hidden city, but quest for the hidden city takes place mainly on a place called Gloam, G L O A M. So that is not planet X. That's a different place. Um, and so sky believes that if Das interacts with this machine that he's got this graph, I forget what resonator machine that it can essentially trace him back to places that he's been to. And essentially we'll find planet X and they'll, be able to do what they need to do. But the path is also aware of what planet X is and what lies there. Now, I'm not going to give that away. Okay. This is kind of where I'm kind of, I'm going to leave you hanging on where the story goes because there are, there's some overlap in what happens with the events of cataclysm um, and the battle of Jeddah as well, which I forgot to mention, which is an audio book by George Mann and you can buy the script version of it. Um, so this book essentially takes place the day after or shortly thereafter um, the Battle of Jeddah. Um, but there is overlap with Cataclysm and there is some overlap, it seems, with Path of Vengeance. Um, now, it's a very exciting book. It's very well paced. Um, the action scenes in this book uh, are very gripping. It moves along at a clip that um, I was not prepared for when I started reading it. But I think that's the intention of middle grade books, you know, to keep, you know, maybe younger audiences more engaged with what's happening. Um, it, um, it is, it's not filled with a lot of unnecessary um, language. And so, and I think that's to Tessa Gratton's benefit, uh, kind of knowing who your audience is and things like that. So right off the bat, I'm going to say, I am recommending this book. I think this book uh, stands on its own for younger readers who, if they want to know what's going on in the bigger picture, 
may want to branch out and read some other things within the High Republic. Um, but it does serve as a good companion piece to Quest for the Hidden City by George Mann, like I said, which is also a Lucasfilm Disney Press book. Now, the messaging of this book is something that I found very endearing um, be up because of what it says. Now, each of these three young people, and even Felix for, um, to some extent, are dealing with kind of like redefining themselves outside of what they have known about maybe their own kind of culture. So you have a Jedi, you have a, uh, like a wealthy, um, I don't say prospector is not the right word, but you know, it's a kid who's, who's has capital. Uh, his family has a reputation. You have Daz who's trying to come out from his father's shadow and make a name for himself in the prospecting space. And you have Felix who is now grappling with what it means to be a member of the path who is finding some kind of kinship with Rupert Natani. And a big theme of this book is moving forward, moving on, moving past, um, without forgetting where you've come from, being um, aware of your past experiences and how that can inform your identity going forward. And I think, like I said early on, that the for a younger reader, um, issues of identity over lots of different, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, like the, the scope of identity is a very large thing. So issues of identity can be, can mean many, many different things. And I talked about this with Marco Shiro when we talked about hunters and what, um, Reeve is happening to her in that book. This book is no different. And I think it's perfect for the middle grade audience to have people who start to learn things about confidence, about self-worth, about self-acceptance, about uh, finding your tribe, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, f- finding people who value you for you, and putting things into practice that have defined you previously, but finding ways to use that to adapt to a possible future and maybe one that you want to build for yourself. I love that messaging in this book. I love that these three have this journey together. Um, And one other big kind of thematic thing in this book where this is a specific with Rupert talks about Salandra using the shield and that one of the reasons that a shield is utilized uh, and is not very common, at least for a Salandra show. And what it means to Salandra as a Jedi is that it just is what it is. It knows what it is. It knows its purpose. It knows its limitations. But it is a tool to be utilized to protect, you know, the people behind it, essentially. And that becomes metaphor for a lot of what these characters are going through in this book. Um, it's just a single line in the book. I think it actually just says like the shield is as it is something to that effect. And whatever those couple of words were, it just, it struck me as like, this is the thesis statement for this book almost, um, that be comfortable in who you are. Uh, be, don't be afraid to present your best self, um, be it in the name of, protection 
or as a symbol of what can be good uh, in your life or in other people's lives, uh, just to learn to have the confidence that you may feel that you're going to need moving forward. I think that those are two very, very strong messages that Tessa Grattan um, utilized in this book. And, and I think it's something that's very valuable, valuable, excuse me, to young readers. Um, it's been a crazy time for star Wars um, with this book coming out. And like I said, picking up path of vengeance with the Mandalorian coming out and reading cataclysm just a few, you know, last week, um, and celebration happening. Stories like this still find a way to stand out amongst all of the din of what Star Wars is. This is a very busy time for Star Wars content, not to mention all the comics and the excitement for everything that's going to be coming. Um, a book like this allows you to kind of slow down for a second and realize that there are some things in your life that maybe should um, attract some more of your attention um, to take care of some things that maybe have been neglected and find a way to present yourself better than you were yesterday. Uh, I think that's a valuable lesson for us, even as grown adults like me um, and like a lot of you who uh, maybe need that reminder from time to time. So that is my review of this book in a nutshell. There's a lot of things that I did not talk about because I want you to read it. I want you to go out and buy this book or listen to the audio book. Um, however you consume these stories, um, there's some intrinsic value for in, in all of them. Even the stories that may in the end not turn out to be our favorites, there is always something to pull away from these things if you are willing to look for it. It's the same thing with the shows. It's the same thing with the movies. If you are willing to dig a little bit deeper, you can find the value in all of these stories. So I'm going to start to wrap this one up, uh, friends. Thank you all for listening uh, to what is hopefully the first of many, many book reviews. Um, I cannot recommend this book enough. Once again, Star Wars The High Republic, Quest for Planet X by Tessa Grattan, which as of recording just yesterday entered the New York Times bestseller list at number seven uh, for middle grade books. That is a huge accomplishment for Tessa Grattan. So congratulations, congratulations to the team at Lucasfilm, uh, Disney Lucasfilm Press. Uh, I can't wait to read more of The High Republic. It's been one of my favorite things for Star Wars. Um, and if you guys, if you like these kinds of things, if you want me to continue doing book reviews, I'm going to do them anyway. But let me know. Uh, give me some feedback. You know, send me an email, comlink. C-O-M-L-I-N-K at jammedtransmissions.com. Uh, leave me reviews on Apple Podcasts, five stars and above uh -huh, are appreciated. If you're on Spotify, if that's where you listen, drop me a follow there so you don't miss any episodes. And you can also rate there. I'd love to see some more star ratings on Spotify. You can find me on basically all the podcatchers out there. I don't use one of the big ones myself. But uh, wherever you do listen, please rate and review. It helps the algorithm and helps people find the show. And um, word of mouth is huge uh, in the podcasting space. So I cannot do this all by myself. And I'm grateful for the people who do uh, share the episodes as they do come out. So if you're on Twitter or Hive, you can follow the show there at JT Comlink. And when shows drop, please share them, retweet them. Let everybody know what is going on here with Jam Transmissions. Uh, you can also follow the show 
on Instagram at Jammed Transmissions. Uh, it's uh, at JT Comlink on Twitter and Hive. And you can follow me personally on Twitter, on Hive, and Instagram at Cad Baines Bounty. Uh, guys, I also do comic quick shots for Proaxium. You can find them at Proaxium just about everywhere, including YouTube, where myself and my son are doing comic quick shots uh, with Chris and Dan and the team over there. So that's going to do it for uh, for me. I was about to say us, but it's just me. I'm by myself, um, as I normally am for a lot of these shows. And if you, uh, again, have anything that you would like to contribute to the book space, join me on this journey as I start talking about more and more Star Wars books on the next episode of Jammed Transcriptions. May the Force be with you. Uh, hi. I have a question. My name is Donald Faze. I'm a huge fan of Star Wars Records. So, how soon can we expect the Sabine Rim uh, Ahsoka Tana show? I don't know. You don't know? Obviously, it's intriguing. I have this crazy thing. I have to know what the story's about before I tell it. Do you know what it's about? Then look at my answer room.